Let us pray. Holy One, there are things I have wanted to tell you, but then there are bills to pay, files to review, lectures to write, meetings to attend, details on which to focus, arrangements to make, friends to tend, meals to prepare, and then, and then, I forgot what I was going to tell you. Holy and gracious one, do not forget me with all that keeps you busy. The record of history declares that you are a promise-making God, and you will not ever let us go. Good and gracious God, do not forget me which is another way to say, don't give up on me. Not here, not now, not ever. Amen. Please be seated. Our first reading is from the book of Psalms. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call, answer me quickly. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 18. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. Once a man has experienced the mercy of God in his life, he will henceforth aspire only to serve. Please pray with me. Gracious God, you have given us work to do and tasks to accomplish for your kingdom and for your people. Help us to approach all our labor with diligence, that we may fulfill your plans for us. Amen.
Good morning. Okay, I admit, I didn't get the memo on casual Thursday. <laughs> Grace to you in peace from God our Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, dear friends. Well, students, welcome back. Are you ready to go? Getting jabbed up? Yeah? Well, we are too, faculty and staff. It's been a great summer, but uh, it's been a little lonely not having all these wonderful smiley faces around, and we look forward to us gathering together. And because we're dealing with peer advisors, gathering together to do what? Serve. As the faculty and staff who gather here on Thursdays gather together to serve. Whenever I read Life Together, and I read it often just to keep me grounded, to give me perspective on my life and on what I do, I always find these incredible uh, tidbits uh, underlined throughout the book. And, and this is one of them. And again, it, it struck me of not the importance of service, but also what is it that motivates our service? Now, to be sure, we, we live in what I would say is kind of a radical utilitarian society. Ugh, what do I mean by that? We, we live in a society that really is about outcomes. It's about consequences. And when we're constantly looking in terms of judging our behavior and our actions by the consequences that are produced. And the downside of that perspective is that we might be willing to put up with maybe not so good things to accomplish what we consider to be better things. That's the downside of utilitarianism. But there's another side to, to life and to, to what drives our lives, and that is, that is the side of, of motivation. And sometimes these, these two worlds clash with each other. But the Christian life is as much about motivation, and that's what Bonhoeffer is reminding us. What is it that drives us to serve? Because when we understand the depth of the motivation, what we'll see in our service, it's depth as well. Here's kind of the challenge. I have over the years in, in my own freshman seminar classes just asked the question of my students directly and indirectly, you know, what kind of service did you do in high school and why did you do it? And often the time is to kind of help me get into college. Does that sound kind of familiar? That kind of, all right, okay. Right, because the advisor says it looks good on our application, okay? And certainly we come to CLU, we have that kind of expectation. But the interesting question is, how does it continue? It continues for some, but for most, it doesn't quite continue because the motivation is not there anymore. So that's why, in a sense, in our Christian faith, motivation becomes very important because it goes beyond the consequences. It goes beyond the consequences and goes to the very heart of what we do and why we do it. It carries on a longer sense. So if you want to look at the consequences of service, if we understand the depth in the Christian life of what motivates us, and as Bonhoeffer says in life together, that when you experience the mercy of God, you can't help but serve then service does not become 
a resume enhancer, or even, shall we say, an institutional outcome, service becomes a way of life. It gets driven deep within who we are. Now, this brings us to our gospel text today. I don't know about you, but, but certainly when I, when I read these texts, I always have to ask myself, is this me today? Sometimes it is. And that's pretty uncomfortable. I'm reading from my Confirmation Bible, so it's an old translation. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. I really like the translation here of trusted as opposed to have confidence, uh, partially because it makes me right away think of, of Luther in his, his large catechism when he talks about who God is and God is the one in whom we trust. Whatever it is that we trust in, that is our God. Trusted in themselves. When that becomes the basis of our life, okay, then that, in a sense, then becomes who our God is. In that, we turn to and look to in every time of need. That would be Luther's, Luther's point. So what does it mean in terms of service? The mercy that we experience in our relationship with Christ is a mercy that is undeserved. But if we look to ourselves, the mercy that we will experience was a mercy is going to be that which we grant to ourselves. If we grant it to ourselves, then we are always justified by our own grace to ourselves. That's the challenge. And that's the challenge in the gospel text. Two folks, one who trusted in himself and thus was not in need of any mercy except that which he bestowed upon himself, and the second who knew nothing but the mercy of another, for he deserved nothing. And it is in that act of brokenness that he was able to receive and to experience a mercy that passes all understanding. So let's bring these two back together for a moment then. If Bonhoeffer is right, and I think he is, that when we have experienced the mercy of God, an unconditional yes, then we can do nothing else but to share that unconditional yes with the other. And in the other, what we then see is Christ. Not something that's going to enhance my resume, my vita, not something to which I can boast and trust in myself, but rather the absolute need of the other becomes the way I live and the why I live. That's why it becomes a kind of impulse in the sense that it's just acting out of who we are. That's the joy of the gospel. That's the joy of Christ. That's the freedom that we find in Christ. Such that we act in such a way that when it becomes a form of a compliment, we are honestly surprised. Well, why wouldn't I serve? 
How can I not serve? I am but compelled to serve. That's the joy of the gospel. That's the joy of Christ. And that's the joy of service. That one serves for no other reason. That one has received and benefited with the mercy of God. And I cannot but help share that love and mercy with another. My trust is not in myself, but my trust is in the God who comes to me in his son, Jesus Christ. And it is in that relationship, is in that identity, I have my confidence in who I am. There are many other tidbits in life together. And I know during the school year, probably not going to have a lot of time to sit and just pick up the book and read. But it's not very long. And you might find some of those tidbits yourself that will kind of throw you into a life together, a life of bodybuilding, and a life of service out of a deep sense of joy. Amen. As we read from the book of Psalms, Psalm 71, I would like to ask you to keep in your mind anyone who you would like to pray for in terms of healing or in terms of peace with whatever is going on in the world. I will read the odd verses. Please follow me and help me out with the even numbers, even verses. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. You are my crag and my stronghold. For you are my hope, O Lord God, my confidence since I was young. I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. From my mother's womb, you have been my strength. My praise shall be all 
become portent to many, but you are my refuge and my strength. Do not cast me off in my old age. Forsake me not when my strength fails. They say, pursue, insist the one whom God has forsaken, because there is none who will save. God, in the middle of this day, courage to love myself, equal to love for the next. of God 